Well, this is Niall Oakham. With me is uh, Andrea Ravinsky um, and Serena Catherine and C. Thomas Payne. Uh, this is the the review squad here. Uh, I don't know what what name we're going to have, but that's what I'm calling it for tonight. Um, we're combining the two review shows with uh, Andrea Ravinsky. Um, we were we were doing Elkham and Andrea, and uh, and the movie review show that uh, Serena, uh, Thomas, and myself were doing because it worked out for everyone's schedules. Um, we're going to review Flu, which is a 2013 uh, Korean movie. Um, I think we wanted to say for a minute, like what, um, uh, how we choose the movies. But if everyone wants to say hi and introduce themselves, since I'm sure a lot of people haven't haven't seen the show yet. Uh, I'll go first because uh, I'm the one who took that opportunity. Hello, I'm Andrea. I love making videos on YouTube. Uh oh, oh no, and and having frozen frozen screens. So Andrea, Andrea has a, Did my a, internet a, turn off. Hello. There you go. Oh, there yeah, you go. Awesome yes, I live in North Carolina. My apologies. That's okay. I don't know where it cut off. That ruined my flow. Just skip me. <laughs> you love doing else. YouTube videos, and yeah, I do. I do. Just skip me. I, I'm flustered. Turn it off. Okay, Serena. <laughs> um, well, I'm Serena Catherine. Um, I love reviewing movies and stuff. I have a very strong opinion since I wanted to make them when I was younger. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Catherine Serena for my political Twitter. And then for my personal Twitter, it's uh, Fat Cat Serena, I think. And it's a uh, P-H-A-T because I love cats. So why not? <laughs> cool. uh, Thomas? I'm Thomas, and I'm the uh, resident old guy who tries not to be terribly annoying. <laughs> I've not found you to be at all annoying, so I think, I think we can give that a pass. Uh, maybe I'm trying too hard then. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, if you're not annoying somebody, right? Uh, <laughs> if you're not being yourself. <laughs> what are we doing? I, yeah, for uh, I suggested for half a second that we go with, um, what was it? Uh, Oh, now I'm forgetting. It, uh, it was a riff on Inglorious Bastards, but it was um, Insufferable Bastards. As oh, the yeah. But I would I like to it. say that I am potentially very sufferable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed uh, to insufferable. Somebody's been using that. So uh, great minds think alike, I guess. Um, although it's a pretty, pretty easy, uh, uh, I don't know, um, not homonym, maybe um, rhyme off of that. Uh, I'm sure there's a term for that. But uh, yeah, so Flu, Flu is an interesting movie. Um, oh yeah, we were going to talk about how we pick our movies, just really briefly. So the, so as dictator, um, I set rules, <laughs> or at least uh, a dictatorship by um, consent, um, as we have since I've you know uh, kind of proposed things and they've been accepted so far. So I guess I'm a dictator in the way Stalin was. Um, I'm dictator as long as I'm popular. <laughs> uh, I mean, a friendly dictator is a completely different thing from a, you know, like an empathetic friendly dictator is not, not that's not a horrible concept. It's like a king, I guess, yeah. more than a dictator. Yeah, yeah, well. I just like to delegate my work to other people. I think that is the best like possible scenario. <laughs> yeah, if somebody else can take the blame, that's okay with me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, so um, kind of the way uh, I decided to set it up to begin with um, was that we would each pick three movies or three pieces of media each week. Um, one person of the group, it would be in a rotation, would, would be their choice 
out of everything that was suggested. And then we'd also include audience suggestions um, in that group. And um, whoever that person is would pick from, whoever's turn it was would pick the movie. And that's what we would review. Um, and everybody else gets the opportunity to veto a movie. Uh, you get to veto one thing. So you get a, you can, if everybody veto one thing, then we could veto a third of the options. That way, if like something's just like, you really don't like it, you really don't want to review it, you you can, you know, you have that ability to, to kind of uh, get rid of that. Um, nobody's used that so far, uh, but I thought it was, I don't know why I thought that was important, but it seemed like it gave agency to people. So that was good. Uh, so far it's worked out. So what we did, the death of Stalin, uh, that's why I was thinking about Stalin. Um, and then we did uh, Mr. Nobody, um, which is interesting, was interesting too. And now Flu, um, I believe uh, the death of Stalin was uh, Thomas, right? Uh, I, yeah, that was my turn to pick, yes. And then Serena picked Mr. Nobody just to out people and who they're, <laughs> what they're picking. Uh, and then I picked Flu. Um, I don't know if any of our picks were our own um, choices. Maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't be able to make our own choices. That's an idea. Like we can't submit any suggestions for the week, for the day think, or the week, it's our choice. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Especially when we're, you know, we're, we're nicely adding to our entourage here. Um, there, it would be 12 films if everybody picked three, you know? So, I mean, that's, a, that's, that's quite a, that's quite a bit. So if the person that's going to pick for that week doesn't make suggestions, which I think, I'm not sure, but it would have fallen on me this week to not make suggestions if that if we had been going by that. So I'm in favor of that. <laughs> well, we would have, except it's going to be Andreas because it's now we added her to the rotation, right? I was afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you surfing the? I'm cutting a line. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so maybe we'll we'll put that on the table as a, as an idea. Um, okay, so Flu was a 2013 Korean movie. Um, uh, interesting, very interesting movie. Um, it has to do with the pandemic, uh, which is obviously why it was suggested. It's timely. It's... I just watched this movie. Like I literally finished watching it like three hours ago. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, yes, we, it is. We had all watched it last week. So it's nice to have someone who freshly watched it because we were going to record last week and uh, we, we lost one of the group. And so we pushed it back. Um, let's see. The director is named uh, Kim Sung Soo. Um, produced by Kim Sung Jin, uh, Seo Jong Hae, uh, Jong Hoon Tak, and Im Young Ju. I hope I said those names right. My uh, Korean pronunciation is probably not that great, um, but usually these are somewhat phonetic. Uh, screenplay by Lee Yong Jong. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, so I turned my fan on. Tell me if it's annoying. Okay. I'm going to try yeah, to position it so it's not. So just I can't let hear me it. know. Um, I can't hear it either. Let's see. The, the starring actors were Su A and Jang Hyuk. Um, and uh, let's see. I think Su A is, um, is the uh, doctor. And uh, Jang Hyuk is the, um, the kind of volunteer firefighter or volunteer rescue squad guy. What did they call that? EMT. Um, like an, an emergency rescue team or something? Something like that. The EMT guy. Yeah. yeah. Whatever equivalent for South Korea. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he mentions at one point that he doesn't get paid, but he also mentions that he's better than a doctor because he goes to wherever you are. 
So he thinks quite a lot of himself. Very good looking guy. Um, the uh, the woman who plays the doctor, um, Sue is uh, also, you know, uh, you know, very attractive woman. Um, and uh, they have, they have like a romance spark. He saves her. Her car has like uh, gone off of a work site into like a giant hole in the ground that seems to go down forever. Um, kind of some crazy uh, infrastructure they have there apparently. Um, and he goes down and, you know, a harness and rescues her. And um, we get this sexual tension with the ripping of her skirt and the how dare you. And, you know, it's like he's trying, you know, trying to make his move or something. Is So it's this kind of humorous exchange, um, but that sets off the romantic plot. There's a, um, there's an avian flu that's going around. And this one is killing like half the people who get it or... No, it's like, like a, everybody who gets it almost, right? Yeah, it's a 50% infection rate, but if you do get it, you have 36 hours before it kills you. Yeah, it right. kills you. Kill, killing quickly in large numbers. Yeah. And uh, it's also, of course, extremely highly contagious. I loved that scene kind of like somewhere in the intro area where like everyone's sneezing and like it shows all the particles yeah. and it's just, oh. It gets me into the zone. But it's also, of course, because like what, what we're going through in society right now, it's like horrifying. It's like, oh my God. So I went to the grocery store today to pick up uh, medication at the pharmacy. Nobody's wearing a mask. It's like, like I can't, I wait, I'm glad I can't see those aerosols because I freaked the, the frick out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I like that scene too. It kind of makes you a little more aware when you don't mm -hmm. cover your mouth. And that scene when the, um, the, the brothers are in the pharmacies and that one guy's coughing, I don't know if that's a society thing or if it's just a, a plot ploy for the movie, but why did nobody tell that dude in a pharmacy to cover his mouth? He's sitting there like hacking all these people like in their face. I don't know if that's an American thing, but I'd be like, dude, cover your mouth. It might just be like a dramatization, you know, like just like him going purposefully because it's a movie just like coughing all over the place and then be also because it's a movie nobody's saying anything because that would ruin yeah. the flow of like the scene or whatever you know I think it's just one of those things things like that kind of bug me because it's it really pulls you out of reality on obvious little things like um oh what was the other scene the rats when they when the uh the KCDC I was looking mm -hmm. it up when they opened up that container where they knew there were infected bodies how did they not prepare for those rats? They just let oh, a deadly disease. Because because they they're this they, they moved the story that it totally they totally botched that. I mean, it was yeah. like the worst possible way to handle that situation. They absolutely did it. dropping I the to dropping that. dropping the phone into the slime on the floor from the ooze coming from the piles of dead bodies inside the container and everything. So, so did anybody else figure out like at first I thought they were like in Japan and it was a it was a cargo ship of Korean immigrants to Japan because yeah. this was like yeah. some kind of like you know human trafficking thing. Where were the human trafficked people from? I think they came from Singapore or Hong Kong or someplace okay. because you know that the, and uh, they were uh, other Southeast Asians, uh, in, in large part, I think, maybe even, you know. Yeah, I never, uh, I never picked up exactly where their point of origin was, but I did figure out pretty quickly it was, it was Korea, not, uh, not Japan, which I yeah. should have seen from the, uh, the characters of the movie when I looked at it. It says the big circle characters, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, their, their language, yeah. yeah I knew it was Korean. in Korea because when you sent me the Twitter message, you said, this is a Korean film. So that's how I, <laughs> that's how I knew where they were from. Good detective skills. <laughs> There's a couple places where the actors speak in English. It's kind of weird. And then they go back to speaking in Korean. I don't know why. There's... I think that's just like culturally what people do there. Yeah, like, they both like, they speak English and Korean. Pretty yeah, pretty like it's one of those things where if you're gonna like impersonate someone or like just say something as in like a phrase, you'd say it in. I guess I I don't know. Uh, also, they do. Also, they had to uh, be sure to uh, make clear that some of the characters who were speaking English were actually Americans or Westerners of some stripe. That kind of threw me off. Like when I would suddenly hear a Western voice in English when I'm sitting there reading subtitles, I was like, what the hell? But uh, I love their American portrayal of our, I don't know if he was like a secretary or just an ambassador or whatever the hell he was. It seemed like he oh, was yeah? a representative of the, of like the CIA or something. Or, yeah. Yeah. Some like some military, state school. Yes, some military industrial complex asshole. Um, yeah. But uh, but he had a British, he had a kind of a British accent. I don't know if he was actually. Yeah, I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be a mixture of nations that basically like were embedded with the Korean government with like almost final say. I, I think it's safe to assume that they were Americans. You know, yeah. because, right? I, that, you know. I think that's probably one of the like the most interesting aspects of the film to talk about is how like it shows like the very stark difference between what's happening on the ground in reality and then people in like the the chamber with the president and stuff and how like the president in this situation is trying to help the people but like there's all these people like you know like preventing him from doing so and it's just one of those things where it's like wow you're president of a major country like south korea and yet somehow like there's people that can usurp your power like you know and it creates these like especially in the ending where like the like you know obviously spoiler like you don't want to watch this video if you haven't watched the movie yet but when the when the child is like doing this or whatever at the end like don't shoot my mommy and it's like oh my yeah. god yeah i started crying i was like oh, oh i did too it was, it was so good because like it, the worst part is like the president wanted to help now usually of course in reality in these institutions there is no one that wants to help maybe like the only person that wants to help is like one of the doctors and it's like get the hell yeah. out of here and like especially with the way that they did kind of like shoo the doctors after like the government took control i thought that that was really interesting too like just yeah. the whole portrayal of like how authoritarianism both in like the government and out of the government like with the the medical leader as well like just the whole authoritarian tendencies they don't have to be exclusive to the government but like especially in a crisis some authoritarian can just take control so easily and then just get some like awful shit to happen like you know like obviously with the, the burning of the bodies it's like you know like because like they're just trying to keep it behind closed doors and it's like there's only like really when there's only like a couple handful of people that know about this only one of them needs to be making the decisions and they just gain this extreme amount of power you know what i mean yeah and i thought it was interesting the way that 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 turned out because the love story uh to for it to survive really relies on the South Korean missiles being ready to shoot down the fighter jets of uh, mm-hmm. the U.S. That was Air. such a good scene, too. That yeah, was powerful. Oh, <laughs> I, I really that. wish, I really wish, like, just, like, I think it would have been better if the missiles actually did hit the fighter jets. I think that's one of my, like, my issues with the ending, is I do think, like, portraying America, because America in real life would have no issue with doing that. Like, there is no way that that person in that room like just 
based on like the theory of manufacturing consent, right? Like they wouldn't be in that room if they weren't ready to fire the jets or whatever. You know, like I, I feel like that would have been maybe a more, but I guess maybe that just leaves it like, oh, like I guess they just wanted to wrap it up because like if that's the case, kind of you maybe need to do a sequel or something. But I don't I know. Think if it also has to. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I no, think no, it no, also you're has good. To do with um, just the cultural thing because there was a little bit when they said um, you have to admit that America does it best. There was like a little bit of pride because even though our country's super fucked up right now, I still mm-hmm. kind of love our country. But then I also kind of laughed because I was like, yeah, we are the best at locking up people in big concentration camps. I mean, <laughs> obviously <quickly>. not, though. <laughs> obviously not, going by what we're seeing over the last four months. Obviously, we're suck at that. Well, we can't <laughs> lock up our own people, but we're pretty well, good at locking up other countries. I mean, <laughs> FDR did it, and people still say he's the best president. So, I mean, I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. That's true. But, yeah, no, I mean, it really is, like, again, like, I, I like I like watching this as a as an American, because it does kind of like portray like, because like, how would a foreign government respond? Like, it does, I like, I don't know, like, how accurate that is to like, South Korea's like, like, I don't know if corrupt politicians are as like endemic to their society as they are in ours. But like, I do like the portrayal of like the congressperson just being a complete asshole. And how like, one of the (laughs) first things he says is like, is this going to affect my reelection or whatever, you know? I mean, he played the uh, sleazy, like, bro, um, douchebag uh politician i mean i i would have bought him as any any business leader too like Mm -hmm. that's basically what he was like interchangeable yeah yeah but i mean yeah he definitely he was good for his role i mean definitely they picked the right actor i think one of the more shocking things about the movie is just that a korean movie basically uh presumes that this is the way this would go down right this like this total lockdown this yeah maybe they're just shooting sick people kind of like presumption at one point right like that that you can make that movie in 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 uh, south korea and and it's not like a scandal like they're like yeah that's what they do right like if you live in a society where you think you know a popular movie can be made and you think this is the way your government would handle a big outbreak like isn't that like like isn't it time to change your government a little bit like it reminds me a little bit like remember when uh there was that movie called the interview where they assassinate the uh, leader of north korea and how like the kim jong-un actually got really mad and then like they pulled the movie because they were afraid or whatever it kind of reminds me of like that similar kind of like situation is what you're describing like as if like you know like that like the fact that they're not like making a stink about it. at least I, i don't know this is 2013 in a completely different country so i have no like I have no window to look into that kind of potential controversy but like you know obviously I was able to watch it you know so I mean it wasn't pulled in any sort of grandiose fashion but I also think that that's like just kind of like how almost all governments would react you know just I think the idea that like governments don't have complete control everyone just thinks that they do when like when a crisis hits the government's like slow they're ineffective you know like obviously in the movie like there's so many parts where like the president's trying to do something or a scientist is trying to do something and then you just have everyone stop them or like and then there's also people on the ground like you know doing things like just burning all the bodies like who's the person in charge of you know deciding whether or not someone's infected or not or whether or not an infection is going to be like going to result in death or not like and these are all in these situations usually individuals like just random ass motherfuckers you know that just like appear and then they decide someone's life or not and it's just like, it really puts that into a realistic point of view, especially with the coronavirus thing, where you're seeing a bunch of doctors say like, oh, oh, like a nurse will be like, oh, this person just, they could have been saved, but the doctor was busy and like, they couldn't do anything. 
like their life could have been saved if we just had more doctors or more people with that information available to treat them or something. But it's just like, you know, and then, or like, you know, a doctor will just say like, give up on them for someone else. And that's like a decision that people have to make, you know? And it's like, I love how it, it really feels like a very realistic, at least according to like what I'm seeing with the coronavirus and how like our governments in like doing things it seems like yeah like there's a lot of like just sheer incompetence and like just things getting like lost in the wind you know like the, just chaos, people... the, the chaos is yeah exactly you know, it's it's important mm -hmm. it's important like in pure chaos that. all these things just fall into place and it's like that's like one of those things was like like the idea of people wanting to take advantage of that situation. I mean, I just read this this headline like a, like an hour ago that was like billionaires have increased their their total billionaire net worth by like four hundred billion dollars or something was added to the like the already richest motherfuckers on planet Earth. So it's like like in that kind of scenario, and of course that's all because of the coronavirus. Like, and that's just like I like how it shows that like when there's a crisis, when there's like pure chaos there's going to be these extremely nefarious right. actors. I think that's because, yeah, I think that's because the, the people that control the Federal Reserve and the, uh, the, the, co the Congress and the Senate um, and the presidents, you know, the presidency, mm -hmm. um, are all these kind of looter types in our society. Mm -hmm. And so they, like, it's one thing I've been very concerned about is the amount of money that's being given to corporate America and billionaires. And it's basically oh, this is by billionaires. <laughs> Um, Oof, we're going to be okay. reading about this shit for the rest of our lives well, in the history it's, book. It, it's it's disaster capitalism is what the category is that the mm, type of thing that you're talking about falls into. When things get really shitty, the money grubbers are there to you know to buy low, you know, and to you know, get rid just of the billionaires that. either. How many people went out and bought sanitizers and tried to charge twenty dollars a bottle for it? No one seems oh like yeah, exactly. Scumbag, you're a scumbag. Right. And that's the thing. Right. It's like, like there's going to be these nefarious assholes that exist. And like, obviously, just given capitalism, it's it rewards that type of behavior. Obviously, the top is going to be like exclusive. Like, in my opinion, which I don't think is going to be controversial, there's no such thing as a good billionaire. By nature of what a billionaire is, you cannot possibly be a billionaire while being a moral and well-mannered no. person. There's only one good yeah. billionaire and it was J.K. Rowling because she gave away so much of her wealth she's no longer considered a billionaire. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, yeah, I hesitate to agree with that. But... Like the, only good, the only good billionaire is a, a dead billionaire or a former billionaire or something like that. The only good cop the, the, is the one that quit. <laughs> yeah, or you have to be a, the, the worst of all possible sociopaths to be a billionaire. Right, but then look at the way J.K. Rowling uh, portrayed bankers in her in her books. <laughs> Nosed goblins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of something, but I mean, at least she's not like Bezos, who took away hazard pay for their twelve dollar an hour busy little worker bees. Like, you got to be a real monster to do that during a pandemic. Oh yeah, you know, but yeah, like you said, an asshole's an asshole. Um, Joe Rogan just took a hundred million dollars to put his content behind a paywall. I forget yeah, what the company is. That, um, I, honestly, like, was, if was I Was that Spotify? Was that Spotify? Yeah. Yeah. If I could take 30 seconds to just comment on how hilarious that is. Watching all like the people that love his show, like, you know, like the, the 
I'm not a Joe Rogan fan. Like the meathead, like dude bros that like flock to his content. Like watching those people melt down on Twitter was hilarious the other day. Like that was just. <laughs> what was the meltdown beautiful. over? Were they were like defending like, him or upset that he was doing this? Upset that he was doing it. Like, and that's what I liked about it. It's like, like obviously, like I don't, I don't, like how is this a newsflash? Of course, Joe Rogan is like kind of a greedy guy. Like, of course, he's not that smart and doesn't really care about a lot of things and just likes money. Like, that's not surprising to me in the slightest. So I just like when people's like heroes, like when their hero complex just shatters, like all in one moment. It's just fascinating to watch. It's actually funny that you bring that up because there was this movie I watched. I'm not going to name names so I don't draw any ear because it's kind of a race thing. But um, <laughs> I watched this movie on Netflix that pretty much pushed me into being a little more politically aware and active. And I absolutely, absolutely adored the director. She was a political activist for Black rights, Black communities, all that stuff. And I really looked up to her and I actually joined Twitter so I could follow her. And then she ended up supporting uh, Joe Biden and then all the stuff started coming out and I started actually looking into her and she she signed a hundred million dollar contract with either Warner Brothers or Sony or one of the big companies. And she's never given a dime to anybody. She signed a hundred million dollar contract for a movie. She's all about activism, but she's never given a dime of her own money in her life. I'm like, wait a minute. That seems more like a grifter. How are you going to sign a hundred dollar contract and you're talking about poor communities? A million dollar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. No, yeah, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have a pro. I understand that people have to get by and people make compromises, but when you're, like, Joe Rogan literally does not have to compromise. And that's, that's my the problem. thing, is, like, when people are already rich and they're just doing this to get richer, that's where it's problematic. Like, yeah. I don't know what Joe Rogan's net worth is. I'm sure if I Googled it, I might be able to have an entirely different anger set or emotional, like, set with this conversation. But just, like, to go back to the movie and, like, how, like, people just, like, take, like, they seize the opportunity. And I really, it, it is one of those things where it's, like, just an endemic trait in society, I think, where it's, like, these, there are always really going to, it's, like, some sort of, like, just hardwired into humanity kind of thing. Or not everyone, I don't think it's like every single human is this way, but there's always going to be like one person out of a hundred that like if they could become the slave owner, they would in a heartbeat, you know? Exactly, that's and the that's liberty. The that's thing. I'd rather be a slave owner than a slave, absolutely. That's mm -hmm. the <laughs> that's 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 libertarian uh, dogma, basically. Yeah. It's okay. can have legalized, oh. legalized marijuana, but it'd be okay to have slaves uh, do the work. Yeah, we've got to legalize everything. It was like, <laughs> come on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I uh, think that's, uh, that's the, you said endemic. I think that that's the real pandemic, the greed factor and the, the you know, the, uh, the magnet that uh, bourgeois and petty bourgeois allure has for, uh, for people. They fall, they, they, they fall prey to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the point where, like, like, like billionaire busy... worship is just such a part of our society. Like, when I was, oh, like, nice. 10 years old, everything was telling me, oh, Bill Gates, he's a great guy. And then, like, all of a sudden, I'm, like, an adult, and I'm, like, oh, I just found some Bill Gates thing. And I just look into him, it's like, what the fuck? No, this guy's a horrifying <laughs> psychopath. How come everyone is telling me he's a great guy? And it's just, like, even if it's just, like, your father or uncle or mother like saying something they saw on the news or whatever, it's just kind of one of those things where it just captures I've got this... I've got this lovable guy that um, that comes on my show sometimes and is very active on my live show, and uh, like I, you know, when I 
he, he has like this defensive reaction to Bill Gates. And, um, and it's like, I don't, you know, at first I'm like, it's kind of weird um, that he likes Bill Gates so much, but I understand Bill Gates is a certain kind of like branding. Uh, but then, you know, I realized that this is the guy that always sources Microsoft news <laughs> as his news source. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, so maybe that, you know, maybe the media, the source of your media has an influence over your perception of things, including people like uh, Bill Gates. Um, yeah, if I was somebody that just casually read the news and it just so happened that some of the articles I liked the most were on Bloomberg, but I didn't know anything about Bloomberg as a person. I would like, if someone mentioned Bloomberg in any other context, my default reaction would be, oh, Bloomberg, that's where I get some of my news from. He must be a good guy, you know? And that's kind of the thing that these billionaires do. Or, and, and just like to, you know, like put it more back into the movie context is like just these authoritarian tendencies, you know? Like they just like, they kind of always want to like, so if someone, you know, can convince like three or four people, you know, that he knows what he's talking about, they can get a posse. And then those like three or four people can convince like maybe four people that don't even know the guy in question. It's like, oh no, this guy's awesome. They vouch for you. And then that's how you create this kind of like bizarre cult of personality where like everybody that's that's following you doesn't know anything about you, you know, like, and it, it's, it's just bizarre. And then if, this movie does a really good job of showing that happen like in real time, you know, like these, like there's nobodies in the crowd or like these people with these random maybe partially administrative roles or whatever or like that one scene where there's just a completely random guardsman who like threatens to kill that guy you know like when things first start and get it like first start getting a little out of control like there's just like like these people are just in these positions of power and it's just like these are snap decisions so when there's oh. people that are authoritarian like they are tendencies to have be authoritarian like when they make these snap decisions that's going to be like baked into the the way that they go about these situations yeah i like the way that the other guy the guy who stops the guy who's pointing the gun at everybody in the camp um i like the the way that he was the one who stopped it but then he turns out to be like mm -hmm. just as bad later yeah. um exactly like, like that was like a learning experience where it's like, like oh this you know like something like that yeah i like that nuance uh we got about two minutes till the first break because uh the zoom thing so we'll come i'll send a new link in a minute there's a um, zoom thing we, oh my we, goodness we tape we tape 40 minute zoom segments together to make the show in order to not give zoom any money um yeah. <laughs> but uh, i'm trying to let's see who's the who's the name of that guy um oh yeah oh. so that's ma dong silk uh who plays jion guk Hwan. He was um, in that train to busan i love that movie i've seen him in something else before that too but i looked up his filmology and there's like nothing that sounds familiar yeah unfortunate last name <laughs> given the uh given the um that's a character <laughs> no it's not his name that i recognize it's his face i don't remember names but like one anybody. of the name one of the parts of his name is g-o-o-k yeah so yeah unfortunate given the slur uh that exists Oh yeah, good. Um, which I think came came from um, the Korean War, um, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of references to the Korean War. So yeah, we got about a minute, and you know, uh, far be it for me to um, to uh, stop any kind of uh, tangents because I'm Mister Tangent. I love tangents. I love I love going off topic. You know, um, <laughs> but um, uh, some other things about the movie, um, the main character. So we'll get up. We'll probably get to this as we begin the next segment since we only have about 60 seconds. Um, 
but the main characters, the doctor character and the, I mean, let's, he's, you know, he's a, like a fireman, you know, firefighter character, right? Mm -hmm. He's like not quite a cop, right? So the, EM, the EMT guy. Yeah, the EMT guy. That's that what they call him. I, yeah. I should I should be able to find this. I'm sure I'll be able to find it um, when we take our break. But just kind of those roles. Um, I, I think very much unlike our other shows or the other movies that we reviewed, this one did a very good job in that it um, um, it made you you really like you really cared about the main characters right um, oh yeah they're fantastic yeah so like in mr nobody i didn't care about anybody and in um uh, the death of stalin i certainly didn't care about anybody yeah <laughs> so so different definitely a different dynamic um with this one and and uh, obviously that has a different impact especially emotionally for the audience so uh i think you're less of an observer you feel more in this movie which is probably good for a pandemic movie to feel all right we're back and uh uh yeah so um what was i saying i was saying something important you you were saying something which was so profound that when people were trying to write it in the history books they couldn't process the information and then passed out and therefore we've lost this record mm -hmm. yeah it blew our mind that's why we can't remember yeah, <laughs> yeah but the viewer will know this will have clipped in like you know you'll edit this in and this I think is like happening was... asap so for them it's like nothing happened but for us it was like a journey you know so this was the i think i was getting into the emergency response team um yeah. so that's what it was the ert it was the ert mm -hmm. um that that um the, the young guy was on who uh again i think was kang so that was kang jigu um uh, yeah, at least his character the uh, the actor being jang instead of kang it rhymes that jang here um he's a he's a classic good guy he only wants to help people he's like the lone ranger or something yeah really yeah exactly like especially <laughs> at that one part where like he's he stays behind even though he knows he at that point could get a helicopter out of the the yeah. entire right. situation he's like no i gotta stay behind because these people need my help and even though there's giant metal bars like i'm gonna do my best <laughs> like that's just like that was a really good scene because it just showcases that this guy deep down is just a good guy yeah. he's not like someone doing things for like to get More. up in the world he's just trying to help people Moreover, yeah. we're going to rely on him to rescue the young girl who's fantastic. Mm -hmm. What a performance they got out of her. Oh, my God. I and, love that and, little girl. And, oh, yeah, really, yeah right? usually child actors are awful, yeah. and that was just tremendous. I, I don't know if it's me not being native to the language, and so, like, any stumbling I just don't understand, or that she was just amazing, but both are very And also good filmmaking too, because it's the art of telling a story with motion pictures. And that's really, you can tell when you're watching a film in subtitle with subtitles in a language you don't understand. If you can get the story from the action of the action of it the pictures. Yeah, it didn't feel like a foreign film to me. I mean, even though it was in another language, like reading, watching in the subtitles. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like, um, so what was your take on kind of the main cast, uh, Serena? Um, I liked them. I, one thing I thought was interesting that we didn't bring up when we talked about the skirt ripping when they first meet is how deeply ingrained modesty is that she's willing to die because she can't cover her ripped skirt. I'd be like, 
I don't give a shit if I'm naked. I don't want to be in this car that's about to plummet to my death. <laughs> Pull me the hell out of here. <laughs> well, not to mention later, people are women are tearing their shirts open and like saying, "Look, I have no marks." I mean, it doesn't yeah, like, do anything but their bras. But you know, this idea, that this intense modesty. There were a lot of characteristics about that character that I found very striking. Uh, one, she's a doctor for one, but she didn't seem to have a lot of confidence or authority right yeah she, um she seemed like afraid of her institution or her medical institution of the of people she was working for very uh, the only person she did have some confidence and authority with was the person she looked at as lower on the social order which was the ERT guy um, yeah. of course she also had a, a a chip on her shoulder because um she had been um she had been left by her uh, her husband um the the father of her her daughter um you went to america, america. yeah <laughs> i love how that's like also another like dig at america like i just like i love the idea of like other people in the world's concept of america you know it's like oh this person just went off to america that's actually you know, like, not that uncommon they go yeah. to america oh, all the time <laughs> it's not it's not uncommon at all go to ireland <laughs> yeah you never hear like any other like scenario oh yeah like they went to belgium like no they didn't they went to america <laughs> you know what right, i mean right. well, if i ever have a uh, lucrative writing career um i might fi suddenly find myself feeling very irish um <laughs> they've got a uh, they've got a tax law i think in ireland i don't know they used to at least uh, where you didn't have to pay any taxes if you were a writer um, oh, wow. There you go. So a lot of the most famous writers would move. The, you know, it was to try to like encourage the because they had a lot of famous writers from Ireland, and they wanted to encourage that kind of idea that great writers lived in Ireland. And so they're like, well, we'll just we'll just have our writers pay no taxes, so they'll come live here. Um, you know, so that's it cool. Works. I don't think I would actually do that. But. There's no problem with subsidizing people for being creative and trying to entertain others throughout this horrendous universe that we live in. Not um, only is there no problem with it, it's essential. Exactly. It, it, really, it, should, be, it should be fundamental, boilerplate, This you do that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, in reality, of course, if I find myself feeling Irish enough to move to Ireland, it'll probably be because I find a cure to my gout and I can drink beer again. And uh, <laughs> they're, they're a culture that- that's I'll try to, I'll, I'll try to uh, make up for the deficit of your beer drinking for you. All <laughs> will, meantime. I'll take an extra shot for you. <laughs> I, I don't like beer. What I meant by I'll go to Ireland- what, what I meant by go to Ireland was that in Ireland, there's a real resentment of people that have left Ireland and gone to the States especially. Yeah, um, you know it's it's really palpable. I mean, it's more than palpable. You hear about it all the time if you get it. You know, uh, uh, so uh, there, the resentment of people leaving our culture to go to some you know shining city on the hill in some foreign place mm -hmm. and leaving everybody else behind to struggle. Well, and taking and taking the um, kind of the uh, the background, the 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 foundation that was given to them by their own community. Um, and when they realized that it's marketable internationally, instead of putting it back into their own uh, society, they they walk away with it, right? Oh yeah, um, exactly. Which is kind they of a theft. Make it like a brand or something. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a theft of resources because societies, you know, put a lot of education hey, and, and sorry, uh, I'm, I'm recording right crowd raising resources into, um, 
Uh, I think we're having that issue Andrea was talking about um, <laughs> uh, into somebody. And, you know, if the whole world was great and um, uh, we shared, uh, you know, we, we had this society that was about helping everybody, it wouldn't really matter where people went. But because um, it's such a me, me, me society all over the world with capitalism, um, I, I can see why the resentment is there. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, not only just kind of taking yourself away from places, uh, there's, there's a lot of resentment in rural areas in America um, where uh, the rural kids, you know, if you found yourself to be very talented, marketable, um, you then left your rural area for, or maybe just not, not that talented, but just able enough. Uh, you left your rural area to a more lucrative area. And so you wind up with these rural areas that um, often just don't have a whole lot of young people at all. And, uh, and you know, they kind of feel like they, they're breaking down and they're deteriorated. Um, and the people that are left behind, I think, resent that quite a bit. Um, but, you know, it struck me, um, the anti, there was an anti-American attitude in this movie. At first, I thought it might be a pro-American attitude. Um, because there's this scene with the politicians where they're like, we just have to admit the Americans do everything best, right? Yeah. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is that, right? Yeah, I think that's like tongue-in-cheek, you know? It's like, I think yeah. that that's being like like sarcastic. And it might just be one of those things where we just don't understand the context because we're not native to the language. So there could have been like some sort of intonation there or, you know, something, you know, I don't know. I don't think it was sarcastic because they were talking about, this is what I was talking about earlier when they made that, when I was a little bit prideful when they said America does it best. This is when they were talking about constructing, constructing the slums or the, the containment camps. We do do the best at rounding up people. And that was actually another thing that I wanted to bring up. Uh, two things, when we were talking about authoritarian and culture and all this stuff, um, when there was that rumor going around in the slums that they were shooting people underground and stuff, and then it turned out not to be true, but they were actually wrapping up people who were still alive, throwing them in that giant dead body pile and setting them on fire. Like, why don't you just shoot those people? That oh, is yeah, he saves the little girl, right? Because they, they yeah, wrap her up. The little, including the little girl. She was yeah, like, how can you wrap up a little child who's clearly still alive, throw it into a big pile of dead, maybe semi-dead bodies, why, that are set to be set on fire that's How one of those things i i will never understand that like like especially with like the death penalty how they have this like elaborate way to kill these people like if you had any sort of backbone you would just shoot them but you you're afraid of it because like oh i don't want to get dirty well then don't kill them like it's that easy you can just let them like if this infectious disease is going to end up killing them just let it kill them you know, for that 0.1% possibility of being able to save them, you know, like, like, I don't know, unless it's like a matter of storage capacity, but that would that any sort of thought like that wasn't really like, I didn't pick that up anywhere that they were doing this because like, especially when they reveal this giant lake reminded me of Toy Story 3, the ending of Toy Story 3, where they're all going into the furnace. That's what it reminded me of. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, and it's like, obviously, there's no storage problem. You know, if there were, then they wouldn't have showed that in any capacity, you know, so it's just like, I don't know, it's just, I think they just did that for the sake of sheer brutality. I didn't see that coming. Like the I idea of like, with the giant crane, like picking them up, like, uh, uh, like again, oh out of Toy God. Story or something like, geez, it was unbelievable. Oh, and that was actually another thing that I wanted to bring up, because I've always known, I don't know if this is just my own bias, because I've never actually been to South Korea, but I've, I watch a lot of Korean movies, TV shows, and stuff like that. 
And I thought it was so weird that they would just throw a bunch of known infected people with known not infected people and some maybes all together in one area. When in any point in science, is that ever a good idea? <laughs> and then well, they want to release San Francisco people. was doing it. That they, had a where, they, they had a giant warehouse. They're like, yeah, we're going to house the homeless. We're going to put them on a concrete slab in a giant storage building big enough for, for um, aircraft to park in. And we're just going to separate them by like six feet each. And they're going to sleep on the ground. It'll be great. And it's uh, like, what the fuck are you thinking? Right? Like, these are the best people, by the way. San Francisco, best people. Well, yeah, not, well I mean, they, we, in America, we kind of don't Speaking treat of sarcasm. people at the same level, unfortunately. Sorry, yeah, the homeless people aren't even people. We're like we're trained to not look at them on the sidewalk. Like you're like my mom told me this. Like oh, if you don't look at them, then you don't have to talk to them. And it's like, why? Why would I? Like I always thought that was bizarre. It's like, what if I want to have a conversation? But it's like, no, you can't do it. And it's like by the time like you're 18 or whatever, it's just part of how you like perceive reality. You know, it's like like you may have this question when you're eight, like, oh, why can't I talk to the homeless man? But then by the time you're an adult, having just been, you know, growing in that society, it's like, oh, of course, I'm not going to talk to the homeless man. But in reality, why not talk to the homeless man? I've heard this. From, yeah, I've heard this from two family members that uh, uh, one one told me or has often told me that they're they're a lot of them are secretly secretly rich and they just they just they just dress up homeless and then they go to a, like a wealth, you know, really nice house when they're done at the end of the day and the other one's story is that they work out a schedule of which which uh corner they're going to be on yeah. right and they get so bussed like, around and shit. yeah it's like it's like a uh, a gypsy kind of like network right and um and if you're on the wrong corner they'll get you right like um and it's just all a big scam right it's like, I, like if someone, if someone wants to sit on a corner on a hot and sweaty afternoon and like, you know, like in collect change and maybe get like 12 bucks out of like 10 hours of effort, Actually, fucking, that's work. Like that's my uncle is a panhandler in Vegas. He makes about six to $800 a day from panhandling. Really? Yeah. Well, in but, Vegas, that seems like different context than like a random city, but well, where, he where lives in California. Well, he lives on the strip now, but he also lived, um, God, I thought it was San Diego. I'm thinking maybe San Francisco, because that's more north. He lived in San Francisco, I think, for a while, and then he moved up to, to Vegas when he met his wife. You're kind of oh. undercutting my narrative here, Serena. Yeah, Sorry. come on. <laughs> come on. This is not cool. Uh, but, I mean. We're going to have to cut we, that part out? Clearly, there, yeah. there are exceptions, yeah. right? And there are people that are successful. Um, but I would say that the number of people that are successful are very small yeah. compared to the, the majority of homeless people. I mean, if everyone were successful, like no one would do it. You know, it would be like you, out, you go out there for three days and then you're done. If it was Whereas such in a reality, you see the same homeless person there for, day, for days, months, every, years. Every, you know? every, every day. Mm -hmm. right. If it was such a successful thing, rich people would be patting their kids on the back for doing it, you know. Is that, yeah, yeah, go ahead and do that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, would they? Because they're all about status. Yeah, you're making, you're successful, but... Yeah, but status is money. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, um, uh, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, but I think the idea there is that helping poor people, you're a sucker if you help poor people, right? Yeah, uh, yeah that's through, just like the basic lesson, you know? Or you have to go through some large institution, some large charity to do it. Um, it, you should never just give money directly, you know, 
because most people just misuse it, which is the other idea. Yeah, and like, that's the other thing. It's like, oh, if I were to give money to a homeless person, I'd buy them food. It's like, first of all, no, you won't, because that takes way longer. You're investing like 15 minutes of your life to go to some random place and bring them a hot dog or something. So no, you're not going to do that. You you're just virtue signaling. And yeah, like, like I would like, I don't give a, a rat's ass if a homeless person spends my $10 on like a bottle of fucking alcohol. Cause like, if I were homeless, I'd want to get drunk all day too. You know, like, so I don't yeah. you know, let them have it. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah. I don't give money to people who are trying too hard. Like there's this guy who sits on the corner. I know he's not fucking homeless. He has two mismatched Nike shoes. Okay, I've never seen a real homeless person who has mismatched shoes. His socks are mismatched. His clothes are kind of... But he himself is not dirty. He looks well-groomed. He has a nice backpack. You can kind of pick out the people who are actually homeless because they have all their shit with them. I'll give those people money or I'll buy them food if I'm in a store or something. But the people who are standing out on the side of the road, like, oh, God bless. I'm homeless, blah, blah, blah. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're I think if they're, if, they're wearing a, if they're wearing a fashion design mask, this is one thing that blows my mind. The, 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 up, the absurdness and the availability of uh, uh, designer masks uh, uh, right, right now is just kind of bizarre to me. Yeah, so, I saw an yeah. ad for one. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, the, you know, like if you're your your status, you don't have the status. If you're just wearing like a disposable mask that you buy from the drugstore, fifty of them in a, in a container. Or that's probably like that. that's probably a good way to pick them out is if they have their stuff. Uh, you could also go to one of the camps and give give some um, resources or or money. Yeah. Um, it, in our film, in our film, it was amazing how quickly all the South Koreans had masks on. Everybody, everybody. There, there's one shot that I remember that there were maybe 30 people in the frame, and they all had masks on. They're all standing a, there, standing there. Right. That was the thing that was like super interesting. Is like when the doctor looks at the emergency dude and it's like, cover your your mouth and nose, and he's like, okay. You know, right. there's no right. like, but wait about, what about my liberty? You know, like there's none of that uh -huh. dumb bullshit, right? Oh, it's God, like, I all right, that's probably that. a good idea. Yeah. You know, like we're at like, like, you know, like, it's hard not to talk about American society when we're doing this right now, but like we're at a position in time where like, again, I went to the grocery store today, like, like for what, like, as far as I'm concerned, right? If you don't wear like a t-shirt over your mouth or whatever, as far as I'm concerned, you just don't believe in germs. You know, like, like, how are we in the 21st century and the germ theory of disease? Like, I know we have flat earthers and we all make fun of them, but now we have like a giant voting block that doesn't believe in the germ theory of disease. And it's like, okay, the flat earth is whatever. It's harmless. Nobody gets hurt by it. But like, when you're going out there, you got your kids out there. And when I see kids out there like this, it really just like, and I get people have their own situations. Not everyone may be informed. And also like, you know, news is not properly informing people. And I get there's all those that's problems. That's not really an excuse though. It's, like, it's not, that's, that's my thing. It's like, at the end of the day, you are just being an idiot. And well, you know, think, like- Yeah, I, I think there's a mistake. So frustrating. Yeah, I think there's a it mistake is. made in, in kind of the idea that people that believe crazy things like that um, the Trumpers are pushing right now are stupid because they're not stupid. A lot of them. I mean, some of them are obviously, but um, uh, like, like I remember I spent, um, you know, I took an Uber ride with a guy 
and a very, very smart guy. Um, but he talked to me the whole time about the flat earth thing and he believed it, right? I think it's just switch. There's a, an emotional switch mm -hmm. somewhere that happens and then they just refuse to see reality. Uh, same thing with the Trump thing. There's a lot of very smart Trump people that are just like, no, the virus is just like a regular. Like you said with that one guy that like will always defend Bill Gates. You know, like it's this, there's this, there's this hang up in someone's like, you know, someone's brain. And for whatever reason, that's just harder to get around, you know, like, so, and yeah, like, that's my thing is like, if it were just the flat earth thing, it's like, all right, that's kind of funny. Like, you know, like if you're describing this person to someone else, it's like, oh yeah, you know, they also believe that the earth is fine. That's kind of cute. But like when it comes to the coronavirus, you know, like I like, of course, obviously that there's a giant problem with the supply chain of information. You know, the idea that people are debating whether or not like it lives on surfaces versus the atmosphere when like we already kind of know the kind of basic things. So it's just that like like we live in the 21st century, like we have television, we have radio communications and somehow somehow our supply chains are so corrupted to where like there's a majority of the population that doesn't even understand basic things like cover your mouth. Well, yeah, you know, like, most, yeah, I think the most incredible thing about right now with the coronavirus is that you could see the wheels turning in Trump's brain. And like, we're talking about the various things we have to do. And he's like, wait, wait, who's exploiting the monopoly they have over something? We got to wait until there's somebody who's going to exploit the monopoly of providing like uh, hydrochloroquine or masks. Like, the idea of just doing it, like he just flatly refuses. He just flatly refuses to do anything that's like just the government doing it. Because in his brain, he's like, yeah, but one of my corrupt friends can make a bunch of money off this. And we got to exactly. wait until have it set up. And I figure out which of the corrupt people is going to, you know, uh, be indebted to me for helping them, uh, you know, uh, just rip off the American people. Um, that's uh, the thing is like, like, as far as the government's handling of the situation, it is just like, every one of these things that we've been talking about since like february and that's why this movie flu is so interesting because it's like watching everything that's happened since february but like on major fast forward you know what i mean but it's like all of these things that we could be doing and could have done like in south in this movie in south korea like everyone there's just like an abundance of medical equipment you know, just everywhere, like, you know, like, you can just, like, look, look on the ground, and there's, like, something you can help yourself with, you know, like, whether it be just a bandana, like, how some people just have a bandana over in the movie, or it's, like, someone, like, has, like, a t-shirt, you know, like, that's well, how easy like, it is. They have, like, special masks, too, in the movie. Yeah, right? like, toward the later end, you know, like, when, the, when they have, like, all the, the doctors and stuff, they've got these, like, clear tube things, but, like, you know, it's just, like, the, the ease of availability in that movie is like it also could just be because it's a movie but i feel like the movie's a representation of how they feel society would be you know so like that's how they feel society would be to the point where there's just well, there's clearly things they get wrong right like um the uh the idea that they're going to come out with an antibody treatment within like a time period which would actually help the people in that place that are dying oh yeah no yeah that like that was just i think ridiculous. that's just one of those movie things you know like right. Well, the like little girl, the little girl has the antibodies. Like, yeah. Save her, we'll all be okay. There you are, right. She got the antibodies because of one of the container survivors. Oh, sorry, Thomas. <laughs> that's fine. Go ahead. No, no oh, but uh, that guy was killed the, by the gangster. Remember, he at was the end. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah no, Niall, Niall actually covered what I was going to say in, in, the, in that moment. Oh. Yeah. Um, was oh. the, the, girl, the, the story relies on the girl having the antibodies and saving her is 
you know. Yeah. The reason why the missiles are pointed at the fighter jets is because the girl has to be saved. Yeah, that's I think that's nothing. just done for the sake of it being a movie. Right. Like, yeah. if that's not in the plot, it's like either your movie is going to have a very awkward ending or you're going to have to make a damn TV series. You know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> right. like, you know, I think that's just for the sake of the plot. Yeah. And it works. So I, yeah, I, it works. I, think, I think it works great. I, you know, I mean, it's 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 a made up story, but there's a lot of. Uh, there, there's a lot of things you can draw on it now. And the reason why we're talking about it is because we're going through something nowhere near as dramatic as uh, is portrayed in the film, but everybody's lives are affected by it. It's a real thing, and it's probably the first of well, I think, yeah, others I think that's that are going to be coming along, too. So. Yeah, I think that's the insidiousness, though, about what we're going through right now, is that it's slow, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Like, if something's in front of you, and it's happening in front of you, like, especially at the end of the film, where, like, they just... Like where the the doctor gets shot because of like you know them like they were told to shoot and then like that whole thing happened and they just kind of shot wildly or whatever. It's like when something is directly happening, you can much more easily like your brain allows yourself to much more easily create like a counter strategy. Whereas like if everything's nefariously happening behind the scenes, like was what's happening with the coronavirus, it's like like yeah your your logical very logical side of your brain is telling you yeah wear the mask be super protected but then like the kind of like just part of you that's like just take the mask off man there's nothing going on you know like you look around everyone's fine you know it's like there's just like weird like kind of like cognitive dissonance going on you know yeah people who keep making these comments about like why are we shutting down the country the hospitals are fine not a lot of people are getting sick yeah, people aren't getting sick because the country shut down, dumbass. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a cause and effect here. <laughs> well, and the numbers are going to start are starting to creep up again. We're almost at a hundred thousand dead already. Oh, North Carolina, which is where I live, we're we're starting to get pummeled because uh, a few weeks ago we started this reopening plan, and it's yeah. North Carolina. We have a Democratic governor, so he's not like a complete psychopath, you know, <laughs> but he's like ninety nine percent psychopath, and so like. You know, he instead of just doing a reopening, he's like, oh, we'll do this really intelligent reopening, you know, like we're like, we're going to say we're going to do a bunch of things. But in reality, this is North Carolina. It's a southern state. A large population here are just like the MAGA people that don't believe in the germ theory of disease. They don't believe in soap. You know, so like when those are the people you're dealing with, like when you have like a significant block of people that don't believe in soap, like these like like these strategies of effective reopening, they don't mean anything, you know, like without properly informing and like controlling the, the people that are happening or like the things that are happening or at least monitoring them, like there's nothing that can happen. Like just because you've got like a plan on and it looks good on a whiteboard, that doesn't actually mean anything. Like on the ground, that doesn't mean anything. And again, like with this movie, it showcases such a stark difference between like what's going on on the ground and what's going on in like the administrative buildings where like they're talking about it. And it's like, like I think like earlier in the movie where they're talking about locking down the city and then they look out the window and see like the chaos starting. And it's like, but like, what if the chaos didn't start? Oh, well, obviously they wouldn't have locked down. And then yeah. that's the situation we're in. It's like, oh, well, I don't see anybody. So I guess everything's fine. Like, like, it's like, and even though you can, we have the power of the internet, you can see videos of like dead bodies being stored in like refrigerated trucks and like U-Hauls being like, like, you know, like we have these videos, these exist. They yeah, are, I think, are, I think if like, uh, things were um, to the extent they were in the movie, like mm -hmm. New York would have had its borders shut down and there would be armed guards all exactly, along. Exactly, exactly. 
like we would have had no trouble like with just full on complete lockdown like if half if half the people were getting infected and almost all of those people were dying um they would probably start nuking some places you know or or mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh or at least uh, consider it there'd be a meeting about <laughs> it you know John Bolton would be dusted off from the fucking retirement <laughs> home and be like, all right, I think my service is needed here. You know, like, and that's the problem is like, it, in a way, in a roundabout way, especially for people that like, say, in this context, live outside of New York City or outside of the major city in the movie, you know, like for everyone else, if everything did happen in 36 hours, you know, like that would slow the spread because then they would probably just have this giant chaotic meltdown in this one location. You know, if it does end up with everyone getting shot or bombed or like with a carpet bomb or whatever, then it's over, you know, theoretically speaking, of course. But like because it's happening so slowly, like when, when New York City got hit, it's because New York City is like a global epicenter, like people travel from and to there. But since then, the virus is now almost in every like municipality on the, in the country. So like reopening or opening or going outside every day you know, in February, where it's just like in New York City, is going to be a completely different ball game because there's going to be people that are asymptomatic or whatever that maybe aren't going home as or going out as much because their favorite restaurants closed or whatever. And now they're going to go out, and then there's going to be like thirty and like they're right there now. You know what I mean? Versus like the theoretical virus carrier would be several towns over or not even in the state at all. Like all these, like the virus is resting everywhere right now. Yeah, like, and that's um... that's what. The Reopening I mean, there's 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 many end. times more people infected right now than mm -hmm. when we um than we shut down to begin with. Um, I made I it was a, not a very popular tweet, but I made the point that if we're going to moralize and have very harsh judgments against people that like drink and drive or under the influence of something and drive, then we should not be letting people go out right now, especially for oh, anything that's that, that's pleasure based. Really because they're risking people's lives, tweet, they're risking their own lives. That's mm -hmm. the basis of those laws, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So either don't go out for, for anything except what you absolutely need to go out for, or shut the fuck up about the UIs, right? Because you're a fucking hypocrite, right? I, I, that's a really you, good point, yeah. yeah. The person who kills you uh, from the coronavirus, you probably won't even know who they were. At least in a DUI, you can point to the guilty party, you mm -hmm. know? So you can have that, that sense of things. Um, Let's see. Like, yes, yeah, I just want to go off of that because I shared a tweet about this guy who wants to open up his gym. Um, he got warned before when he opened it up, when he tried to open it up, and then he got shut down. And now he's saying, well, I'm going to open it up anyways, and I don't care if I go to jail. First off, he's white, so that's why he can say that. So, la da da. But really, a gym? You're really, you're willing to risk people's lives because you want to open a gym? That's Money can like, be replaced. My thing with that is like, bills. work out at home. Like, yeah. you don't need to go to a gym, motherfucker. Exactly. Work out at home. Like, don't oh, it's fucking ridiculous. lazy. Like, I mean, I know some people are much more privileged with the supplies they have at home. So I understand, and I understand people very are very attached to their muscles. I don't know. Did you guys see that that picture of that nurse from? I think he was a San Francisco nurse, and he was oh, this one. huge, like, hulked out guy. Very uh, Papa Bear, you know, he was definitely in the gay community, if you call it Bear, right? He had the, yeah. the thing, and he had the face and everything, he looked like a daddy, right? And uh, and then he was on a ventilator for, like, uh, how long? Like, uh, days, six I weeks, think. I think. What was it? I thought it was... It, or ventilator or treatment for six weeks, and he lost 50 pounds, and now, and then he, all of a sudden, he looks more like 
you know, more, more like a San Francisco vegan, right? Like a much thinner <laughs> guy, you know, uh, his face completely changed, right? You could see as the tattoo, it's the same guy, right? But you're like, like, you know, totally different. So now like the people he, he pitched, I think he has a long-term partner, but the people you would pitch himself to grinder on is like a totally different demographic now, right? Because he doesn't <laughs> have the muscle mass anymore <laughs> to be that guy, right? Um, but like, uh, and I understand it's people's identity is based around that, but like people have to be responsible and understand. And also, I don't, I think we're just very hypocritical about what we pick and choose to be moral about. And it's yeah. very much about pleasure and sex that we say, these are the things we're going to be judgy about and other things. But if it's for money, if you're risking your life and other people's life to make money, um, that's okay. Oh, that's fine. That's, that's, that's encouraging. You're a you're doing that. Like we're if you're not doing that, that, then you're, right. yeah, like that's duh. Right. If like, you're it, yeah, monopolize a, like an AIDS medication or something, um, great. You're a great American, right? Even if that mm -hmm. restricts who- You're a hero. So one 10% of what could before you monopolized it and the other 90% die. And that's cool, right? But um, but if there's any, you know, it's just we've we've crafted these like cultural ideas very carefully. But um, we only have a few minutes left for this segment, so again, just so many freaks out. Um, but uh, when it, are, well, are we going to do a third? What's the plan? I think we'll do a third because I want people to be able to. Uh, right. I want to get a little bit more back into the movie and have people um, just give their kind of ratings of it, right? Right. Um, but I know you don't like ratings, Andrea. Um, oh, I, I, I'm very anti-rating. In fact, I may even shout and, uh, and obstruct the audio <laughs> from other people's ratings. So um, <laughs> I will cough so that if they do anything on a whiteboard, it will not be visible on the archive here. I, I did, you know, if this was an American movie, and by the way, the production company, there's like two production companies that are both South Korean. So um, this wasn't an outside um, production company. So there's, this this should be somewhat reflective, I think, of South Korean entertainment. Um, uh, but if this was an American movie, like, and the, the main character and the doctor uh, were these type of personalities, these like almost cartoon characters, right? It would be very annoying to me. In this context, I think I gave it a pass because it's a foreign movie. Like I'm not as like knee jerk re uh, about it. Like, this, like the guy, if he was an American character, right, in an American movie, I'd be like, fuck that guy. There's nothing wrong with that guy. That guy doesn't exist. And it's bullshit. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to empathize with a guy like that because he doesn't fucking exist, right? Um, and, or if he does, he's such a minority that like, like everybody likes him in, in reality, in life anyway, he gets enough attention. Let's go on to somebody with some issues. Um, that's a real human being, right? Um, but I don't know if that annoyed anybody else. Um, Thomas, what, I know Thomas, like, like, I think you're a little more like, you're in that frame of forgiving the, the filmmakers for whatever tools they use more than some of the rest of us, because you just love the craft so much since you have a, a history in movies. But I don't know, well, was there anything about the movie that bugged you? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no, not that, not, that, not that I'd make big issue out of. The only thing, one little continuity thing, and that was uh, one American guy had a, I don't know, either a British or an Australian or some hint of, uh, you know, Oxford English accent, you know. Non-American. That, that's, that's the only thing that bugged me, really. Everything else I thought, you know, flowed around. The, the film worked for me, you know, uh, quite well. One, if I can make a technical critique of the film, and this may be because I'm a stupid fucking American, but like 
the microphones were really good for the dialogue and it felt like there were like a lot of effects that should have been more loud when just dialogue was audible and at times it kind of felt like it was dubbed just because like I, you know I don't understand the language so like I'm looking at them talk and trying to read the subtitles and like I hear no background sound and it's just the the audio of them talking and I it, it felt a little unnatural but I don't know if that's because I'm an American I just didn't understand the the language and therefore I couldn't like process it with my brain when they were like moving their lips or whatever but it really did kind of feel like it wasn't it, it, it kind of felt dubbed for me, but I will say it's probably because I'm a stupid American. Did anyone else get that, that vibe at all? Or? I'm actually... I'm gonna Go ahead, Andrew. Oh. Or, uh, Serena. I was just going to say, it might just be because I'm used to it because I do watch a lot of sub films. Mm -hmm. but I don't actually... often, so... Oh, but actually one of the things that bugs me about American films is dialogue is always getting like drowned out by background noise, by music. I've gotten to the point where I have to keep turning on subtitles because I can't hear what the hell the characters are saying because the music is so fucking loud or mm -hmm. an explosion is so fucking loud. So I guess I just kind of appreciated being able to hear, even though I'm reading. It might just be like a difference and <laughs> it might like, you know, it just could be different ways of production. And I'm just not used to it because I don't watch foreign movies that often at all, especially ones from South. Like I've maybe seen like three Korean movies in my life, this being one of them. So, you know, I, it's something I don't do as much as I should, but maybe I will now because this is this is actually a really good movie. So I might actually look into it. But it's I just something that, you know, again, I think I'm just stupid, but I'm just. Throwing <laughs> it. I want to have speaking time. Well, I, I want to be on the screen. I I definitely noticed <laughs> it. Um, uh, Thomas, did you notice that? No, I'm going to have to watch it and see if I can. I, I didn't. I didn't notice any lack of ambient sound. Then it, it may just be I didn't notice it and it was there. So now I got to watch and see if. Yeah, I, I can. kind of appreciated hearing the voices so clearly for a long time because one of my pet peeves of movies is the background sounds are loud and I can't hear the actors very well. And if I'm in a certain like, if I'm not like in a place where I can blast the volume, right? I feel like I have to turn up and down the volume the whole time I'm watching it and it bugs the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> why, why can't I have separate controls for like the explosion sounds and the voice sounds? Oh, that would be obvious, like a video game, right? Yeah, like that's already, what I'd be amazing. Uh, yeah? It's already, it's already been mixed. <laughs> you, you, you don't get to do that. But that's something a lot of dialogue that you hear in films is, is dubbed. After I mean that's a production process. Actors come mm -hmm. back and get in a sound room and you know you can really pick it up in American or at least I can redeliver their lines. Yeah, the lips yeah. don't match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or when their back is or their front is turned away from the camera, but they're saying something very clearly. Yeah, yeah. But if it's not English, obviously, and you don't know the language, uh, you're not going to be able to pick up on the, how the you know the lips are supposed to move to make those mm -hmm. sounds necessarily. Um, uh, the timer says less than one minute. Yeah, so, yeah. right before this breaks down, I just have to be on screen. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Notice me, senpai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully the transitions aren't aren't too jarring for the audience. I don't think they are. Um, and if they are, I'm sorry. I don't. Yeah. Too bad. I, I have been through a lot there. more jarring transitions in my lifetime. Believe me. You know, if you if you want a high production value, you know. Put some money in the cookie jar. Um, <laughs> I love cookies. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so yeah, back to the um, the anti-American thing. It's going to cut out in the middle anyway. Um, all right, so let's finish. Um, let's finish this. I was saying the, the anti-American thing. So yeah, that comment about America. I think there was put in the word the mouth of a politician or some other person 
that America is always the best, and we just have to admit that, in order to um, to uh, portray that person as a douchebag, right? So this is, you know, and then later it became very clear with the American basically like, yeah, let's level the city of, um, I think it was Bundang. Bandung, uh, yeah. yeah. um, and um, uh, and be done with it. Uh, so, um, to, save the, to save the world from the threat, right? Well, to well, save America under the guise of the world, <laughs> America and Europe. You know, Europe matters too, right? Yeah, um, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Every now and then, they still um, have a use. <laughs> so, um, let's see, uh, Serena. You wanna? Do you wanna go first and just say like what? Your overall impression, final thoughts, anything you want to you want to add to to your your um, commentary about the movie, and just like a a review um, of a rating. I enjoyed the movie because I, I like um, pandemic type of movies. I love Contagion. I love Korean movies. So this was hit like two things on my list. It just it really bothered me how ridiculous some of the plot points were like just to move the story along and i hate this in any movie when you just totally throw out reason or um throw out reason just for just to move your, your story along like with the coughing to get everybody sick the rats running out of the containers even though it's the cdc opening this they should be the best people at containing diseases so things like that really bothered me but um and also like a weird um um, almost an unbelievable element with the way the uh, the the disease spread, because I in Korea there's they they always wear face masks. They're super clean, very um, clean conscious people. Uh, I guess would be a better way to say that. So it just seemed very odd to me that I don't, I don't know, and I don't know that much about Korea, so that's also another thing. But I still enjoyed the movie, even with all the inconsistencies, even with all the little annoying plot ploys. I still enjoyed the movie. I would say like a six out of ten. <laughs> uh, Thomas, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thumbs up. How's that for a non-numerical evaluation? <laughs> sure. um, I like that. The uh, the uh, I, I think that you know you have two different camps. We can see it every day when you look around. You've got the and there's a lot of there's sublime irony involved because you have the social distancing. People who are, you know, wearing masks and maintaining six feet between everybody and all of, all the rest, um, and then you have the social social indifferent, uh, socially indifferent people who are, you know, freedom. You can't tell me to wear a mask if I want to get. <laughs> you know, it's my business. Nobody else's. You know, so and the the, the social indifferencing people are uh, actually. Uh, being very antisocial um, uh, with their effort to be social, you know, including now protecting themselves or other people around them by, you know, wearing protective stuff. Uh, and the socially distant people are withdrawing from social contact to a certain extent in order to be social, uh, to, 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 to help the other guy, you know, or gal, whatever the other people. So I think the movie works really well as a play as a, uh, for for an audience to come to grips and begin to be co uh, 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 coherent in discussions or their own thoughts about how 
uh, we're going to act with each other in these situations that are going to develop with more of these pandemics that are going to be coming along. It's in the air. It's you know, the polar ice caps are melting and the viruses are getting up there where the birds are and the birds are flying around and the birds get the blame. Um, but so I, I, no, I, I appreciate the movie very much. It was very well made. I think the, the storyline holds together really well in the way it was, uh, uh, the way it came through. Um, it, I, I think the, the most striking thing about it was the performance that they're able to get out of the young girl. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the film. I always enjoy that. So. Yeah, she was, she was really good. Um, uh, Andrea? So <clears throat> I noticed I've been picked last. And, uh, <laughs> well, I'm last, actually. Second to last. Second to last. Well, you know, I was picked last. You can't pick yourself. Process of elimination says that, you know, once everyone else has been eliminated, you don't even need the pick. You're just by default. So I was, I was the final person selected. And I will make my grievance noted. Um, very ironically, I'm not serious whatsoever. However, my opinion on the movie, uh, it was pretty good. It was a good movie. Um, again, I'm not huge on reading subtitles. For me, it, it's for me, it's one of those things where it's really hard for me to focus on both reading and the movie at the same time. And uh, I don't know if that's because I am an avid marijuana user or if no. that's because my brain doesn't work. But for me, I found this movie was really enjoyable. Again, I've, I'm not much of a foreign film person. So this is like maybe... I've not seen 50 foreign films. I'd say the le the number uncounted is less than 50, uh, maybe even less than 25, you know? So it's like, but I, I thought this, this flowed really well. I thought the reading, the subtitles wasn't that detracting from the overall experience just because of the way that the movie was. The dialogue, usually when there was dialogue, was like front and focus. And then the action was like, front and focus in their own sections so like i did not have any issue mostly other than that whole weird thing where i where i said like i can't i, I wish that the audio maybe i just disagree i just my thing with with audio and in movies when it comes to dialogue is i like it to be natural you know like if this were really happening it would be hard to hear them and i kind of like that thing that's just my personal opinion um I, i'd like the overall encompassing kind of audio to it because it's just part of the atmosphere you know what i mean like it, it for me it like captures my brain and if there's like gunfire going on it just puts me into like that specific mood to kind of hear what's going on and to process that differently um i thought the the overall tone of the film where like there's two separate sides we have the science and government side like the medical scientists and the doctors and then you have the people on the ground uh i i love the the back and forth especially at the end when I, I mentioned before how it culminates with the little girl and everything. I thought oh, yeah. that the whole idea of how they display how people can take advantage of chaos is super good. And it's one of those things where it's like, I, I think that because it's a flu, it's like a pandemic, you know, like that's the thing. It's like with a lot of film and media, usually there's like an enemy versus the good guy. Whereas like, the, the thing when it, there's a pandemic is it creates this environment, and we've seen this in the United States where Trump's is like, oh, the invisible enemy, or and is trying to say that China's the enemy. You know what I mean? Like the idea that we need to pin the blame on an identifiable like person or group of people rather Other. than like, yeah, like the, the idea that like it can't just be something about nature interacting with us or our 
behavior coming back to, you know, like, you know, like, for example, like when it comes to a lot of people are talking about how like the meat industry is, is very big on, and like, you know, especially with the, the whole Chinese wet market thing, where it's like meat is su- like raw meat and how meat production is like, it's super viral in the way that disease can spread. And that's why you have things like salmonella and stuff like that, right? Like, so it's like, you know, there, there are a lot of ways that these things can spread and especially with like the meat industry. And um, I, I just think it's, it, it showcases like, oh, are these our decisions, you know, like coming back to haunt us? Or is it just someone who's just trying to hurt us, you know? And the idea that the enemy is kind of like some ethereal unknown, I think just adds to the whole potential. And I, I really like that kind of plot. Like, that's why I like zombie movies too, because it, it always really like kind of exacerbates the problems with society rather than like a good versus evil movie. You know what I mean? Where it's like superhero, good guy versus the bad guy, or like a war movie where it's like, you know, it's us versus the Nazis or whatever. Like, like always this cartoonishly evil person. I love the idea of like society ripping itself apart because like that's how, that's what we experience on a daily basis. And especially with the coronavirus, like we are experiencing society rip itself apart at the seams in real time. And who knows, like we could be like, if you had asked me six months ago, would I be talking about this whole bullshit? I'd be like, no, hell, hell no. I'd be, in, <laughs> I'd be doing fucking Bernie Sanders road trips to like, you know, like I'd be like doing all this cool stuff, but no, sadly that's not happening. We live in the hell world. So if you yeah. asked me six months from now, we could just not be living in a society six months from now. I mean, at this point, I, like I expect there to be some sort of monumental disaster looming. You know, we could hit a, a position where like, we don't have like a functioning electric grid or something. Like any of these things are possible. You know, it's like anything is possible. So I, you know, like, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I love how the movie just showcases how society as a whole can just break down just on the fucking, you know, snap of the fingers. And again, it's much more spread up because the virus is 36 hour thing, you know, like the, the properties of the virus are speeding that up. But we're watching it happen in real time. It's I just that the, it's slower um, because the yeah. real coronavirus just deals with the body slower. But like, I we're still I, seeing the same systemic uh, fallout. But yeah, go on. Right. I think the yeah I think the virus um, kind of illustrates a lot of the problems with um, uh, capitalism and our mm-hmm. um, and our uh, prioritization of uh, or just our priorities in general. Um, science takes a back seat. Um, safety takes a back seat. Uh, to profit, we cut corners, and this is uh, many times the issue. Um, almost no matter what uh, kind of decisions we make in kind of a, a large way. I think as long as you have uh, people trying to get the most um, for the least amount, um, you're going to continue to have major issues um, throughout the society, and we're, we're seeing all kinds of problems. Um, for me, the uh, there were you know there were good things and bad things about the movie. Um, I think there was kind of a, a disjointed uh, marriage between this hellish event um, that's being described in the movie, this this pandemic. And, and sort of like a Pixar or Disney um, uh, kind of sensibility of the characters um, that, that we were close to, um, to where they weren't very, they were a little too shiny and nice and perfect and there weren't really uh, rough edges to it. Um, and that didn't, that didn't necessarily, like it, what I think what you were talking about with the ambient sound is like the immersive quality. Um, like uh, if you're gonna be immersed in the environment and feel like you're experiencing the movie as a participant instead of just like a third person from very far away. 
um, the believability, uh, I think, what is the term? I used to know it when I was younger. Is it, is it maison-sen? Um, mm, the, uh, yeah. The, the, the yeah, oh, the, the, yeah, no, the uh, the believability of things. So, so certain things do break down. Um, again, uh, when they get scientific things wrong, they kind of fudge over details, things that are just obviously not reality, right? In order to um, make a plot work, that that tends to take me out of the movie. Um, characters that don't match the other, some of the other tones of the movie, take me out. Um, so those are those are definitely criticisms I would have. Um, there's a lot of things I could say about it politically, um, a lot, you know, but probably could fill textbooks full of just what isn't addressed and talked about and, and what's glossed over. Um, but at the same time, there's seeing the, this, the Korean perspective, um, in some ways, they, they seem a little less naive than we, uh, we are in the U.S., um, just based on the, the, this popular movie and the way they're willing to approach certain things. Uh, I think everybody did a very good job. Um, with the clear instructions they had of, of how uh, how to how to push things, I don't know that I'm a big fan of all the choices that were made by the people in charge of, of the direction of those things. But uh, I would probably give this um, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like a yeah six out of ten, um, just because of how good like the little girl was. The even though I disliked the the style choices, the main characters were good actors. Um, the the supporting actors all seemed very good. The, the the scientific, there was the one, I think it was the scientific guy who like was the guy who's like, no president, you're not going to decide. The American guy's going to decide what we do. Mm -hmm. I he was a very good actor. Just, just lots of very good actors, um, good production value. So, so yeah, um, uh, good stuff. Um, uh, as always uh, with the review show, I'll put uh, links down in the description below of where you can find everyone on Twitter. If you want to see like uh, what we're, being jagoffs about, um, <laughs> uh, want to find out if you agree or disagree with us. Um, uh, obviously, I have a lot of hot takes or, or very strong opinions, and I think everyone else does too. Um, but um, and a link to where the film can be seen. Oh, when a link to where the film can be seen. I <laughs> yeah, that's uh, less important. It's all yeah. about us. Tom, Thomas, Thomas was, uh, yeah. Thomas How can I profit from this? I need Patreon people. Come on, give me money. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, promo code. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, four amigos or slapdash amigos or whatever we're going to um, um, Slapdash anti fascists. There we go. Slapdash anti fascists. I don't know, I don't know man. I, like the anti-fascists, they're basically the same thing as fascists. I don't know. Like, did you see that one thing that one guy did? You know, like it, they're well, I mean, basically the, the same. The thing. Nazis killed a lot of people, but so did the Russians fighting the Nazis, right? So. I mean, when they killed the Nazis, they were still killing people. So it's one of those things where you know, I don't know, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so a link to where you can see it. Um, I where did where did we find this? I think this was on Amazon. It was on Prime. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon Prime was free. Uh, there may be other places where you can find it. I mean, I'm, Amazon Prime is not free, obviously. No, it's not free. <laughs> you don't have a Prime membership, right? And I know a lot of people are boycotting Amazon, so I'm sorry. Uh, right. That is one place. Huh? They, they may happen be to leech off of somebody else's Prime membership that they got via right. a, a method of uh, obtainment that I will not go into as it, it violates certain rules and guidelines. So <laughs> totally That's good. I like to hear about stuff like that going on. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stick it I don't pay it. for that bullshit. I will, I will do a very quick Google of where can I watch this and uh, I'll, I'll list the, the, 
three cheapest options or, or likely to be the cheapest options in the description. Great. Um, Great. But um, you guys, uh, you guys, thanks again for coming. Uh, it's always appreciate talking with you guys. Uh, uh, pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I hope the audience uh, enjoys movies as much as we do and how it kind of informs, you know, from a political sp perspective, how it forms the, informs the kind of dialectics of our, of our time uh, and, and recognizes the importance of entertainment in, in uh, how we form our views and see the world. Um, but um, you guys do some good out there and uh, you take it easy. You guys all want to say goodbye, Thomas? See you around. Nice to be with you. Andrea? I... I I noticed that I was not picked last this time, <laughs> and uh, I will, I will, I will take that as my goodbye. That is all I must notice. Serena, um, I just want to say goodbye. I had a really fun time, and I look forward to uh, chatting next week. All right, you guys take it easy, and remember, this there, this show will never be on a paywall. None of my stuff uh, will ever be under behind a paywall or any other bullshit. Um, so. Uh, if you want to support that kind of thing, try to share our stuff and stop sharing Joe Rogan. And uh, <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Yeah, screw that guy. <laughs>